Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Nash and Pine Sports Chat. We have got uh, the calm before the storm as Hurricane Ian moves its way up the East Coast, kind of making some changes to our normal routine this week, Paul. We're getting ready for some Thursday night football in Wilson County. Yeah, indeed, Andrew. The dominoes started to fall and they fell quickly yesterday when uh, Bayfield AD Jody O'Neill called me and said, we're moving our game to Thursday which wasn't even going to be a home game anyway because Betty Field's still redoing his track, but that's a whole other story. So that was the first one, Goldsboro versus Betty Field at Fike. And now they're all going to play on Thursday night. So it's going to be no rain, but probably some gusty winds on Thursday night. Yeah, and looking at these games on Thursday night, some big games, some important moments for a lot of these teams. Um, I'll start with Hunt because I think, you know, the Warriors are – we knew this was going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year, or maybe a lot of a rebuilding year for Hunt, losing 22 seniors after last year. They're 0-2 in Quad County Conference play. Bit of a disappointing loss on Friday night. Had a 17-7 lead in the fourth quarter. Ended up losing 21-17. And I think the biggest issue right now for Hunt has been on offense outside of Jaden Terrell at running back. They've been able to run the ball decently well. Haven't been able to get much going in the passing game to complement that. Played fairly well on defense, but I think if Hunt's going to turn this season around, and this is a big opportunity for them this week because Southern Wayne is also 0-2 in quad county play, but they're going to have to find a way to open up that offense a little bit more, I think. Unfortunately, I think the ship's already sailed for the Warriors. They've lost two of the top two teams in the conference. That means they're at best going to try to get a wild card. Um, that's what they're playing for. They have to beat teams that are 0-2. And in fairness, they lost to CBA Cock 10-7. They lost to Smithfield Selma 21-17. And both those teams are unbeaten. So, I mean, that that's kind of tough for Hunt. But really, they're not going to get a while. I mean, they're not going to get one of the two playoff uh, spots at this point. There's just too much to overcome unless a lot of weird things happen, which, of course, they could every time. But I would think Hunt is best, like you said. They just need to keep it tight and beat the teams that they're supposed to be and beat Fike at the end of the year. That should be their goal at this point because that game might really come down to who goes to the playoffs and who doesn't. Yeah, because I think, you know, speaking of some disappointments, Fike had some pretty high hopes for this year. They're sitting at two and three now, one and one in conference play. Really a, a tough loss for Fike on Friday night because they played fairly well on defense, made some big plays, had a few, put a few scoring drives together. But it's a 37-22 loss because they had seven turnovers and a blocked punt. And in speaking with head coach Tom Nelson after the game, he put it pretty succinctly. You're not going to beat anybody when you turn the ball over that many times and have a blocked punt on top of it. So really feels like almost kind of a missed opportunity with for Fike in that game with that many self-inflicted wounds. And now makes this week's game against Smithfield Selma, which is 2-0 in the conference Huge because Fike needs a win there to at least tie with Smithfield Selma in the conference standings and then see what happens with CBA Cock this week before the Demons host them next week. Well, last week's game was last week's game, so there's no, you know, there's nothing to be gained from that other than that you, what you can tell from Fike is they've got one pretty impressive win and one pretty ugly loss. So they're an inconsistent team. They've been an inconsistent team through, you know, since through the preseason. Um, they show a lot of potential at times, but man, they shoot themselves in the foot. 
And so I think it kind of came to a head last Friday night. It's going to be interesting. Last year, they lost that game to Smithfield. Selma kept them from winning that conference championship. Um, and remember, Damari Daniels, Offensive Player of the Year, great. I mean, he's by head and shoulders the best offensive player in the conference and threw four interceptions and, and one quarter against Smithfield Selma. That's like maybe a year later the, the Demons can kind of get back and get back on track if they win because it would be a huge win for them. But, again, they've got to win more than one week at a time. They've got to stack some wins and start playing a lot more consistently. So I think that's where they're headed. And to their credit, last week, last year after the win over Smithfield Selma, I think they won most, if not all, of the rest of their conference games after that. So and there beat is Hunt. and beat Hunt. So there's some hope. Beat a very good Hunt team last year. So there's some hope for Fike trying to turn this thing around. Looking, all, you know, at the rest of our home games in the Wilson area this past Friday, Wilson Prep historic home opener. Their first game playing under the lights there, at Wilson Prep. You were out there taking some pictures. We had a former Time sports reporter, Jimmy Lewis, out there covering it for us as a, as a stringer. What did you see out there? What, you know, what was kind of cool about the atmosphere for that first home game for Wilson Prep? Well, it was pretty awesome. I will say that was my first thought was they need a football scoreboard and a chain game. But, hey, you know, those are little minor bumps. Wilson Prep had cheerleaders. They had a band. They had a full crowd. And other, I don't know how many people that were there, but – uh, the home bleachers were like completely packed because there are no visiting bleachers yet. So uh, you think the um, the inhospitality to visitors is bad at Cameron Indoor Stadium, but man, it was like they didn't have bleachers on the visitor side <laughs> Friday night. But like I said, those are all little things to be ironed out. What was there was a glorious home debut for the Tigers. Uh, just put the laid the lumber on Northwest Halifax and completely outmatched overmatched team uh, 58 to 6 but that um that scene that, that Wilson Prep's got going on over there they they've done a great job of branding with some great Instagram and video and stuff that they do and when they they've done it basketball with the Tigers den and now it's extended outside I think they're going to be a lot of fun to, to keep up with in that Tarrona conference um even though they lost that game to North Edgecombe that conference is a lot of half, few haves and mostly have-nots. Wilson Preps is firmly in the half category with Northampton County. North Edgecombe and a lot of other sports, um, but maybe even Southeast Halifax. I don't know. It's There's few teams I think that can match up with. Northampton County is definitely one. So we'll see how the, the season you know goes on for Wilson Prep as they move on into it. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to go to a game for sure over there. Yeah, definitely impressive to see what Wilson Prep is doing. Already, and just, again, year one for this program. I mean, a lot of, you know, Philip Dickens, their head coach, we talked about last week, a lot of experience in North Carolina high school football, but he's got a lot of, you know, young assistant coaches. This is kind of their first experience in a lot of cases with high school football. A lot of players who haven't played a lot of organized football so far. So for them to do what they're doing with that level of of inexperience, I think it just breeds excitement if you're a Wilson prep supporter for what that program can be going forward. Yeah, for sure. Coach Dickens, is, he knows what he's doing. He's got a, he's got a pretty well-run program going on over there. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the game I really want to talk about is Beddingfield goldsboro Beddingfield's 2A New Six opener, um, you know, after last year. And then, you know, it really started out poorly this year. And then, bam, all of a sudden, we're talking about Beddingfield as a potential Congress champion. Yeah, I mean, look at look at them going into this. You know, haven't played a conference game yet. 
that new six with a smaller conference, last of our, you know, area conferences to start up. But Bettingfield should be riding, you know, they were off last week, should be riding high with a lot of confidence. They won two straight on the road. They beat Aiden Grifton. They beat a good Croatan program. I think that was a really, really, really big win for Bettingfield. And if you look at this conference, the games that they have, quote unquote, you know, at home now, we know these next two are not at Bettingfield. They're at Fike and at Barton against Goldsboro and North Johnston. But those are two games that the Bruins should be expected to win. The game at home, again, we don't know yet where that game may be played to end the regular season against Spring Creek. Definitely a game they should be expected to win. Yeah, and then last year. And then it should just be, it's going to come down to what they can do with two pretty tough games on the road against Eastern Wayne and Princeton. But I think Bettingfield has a chance to be right there in this conference. Yeah, it's real. I mean, you know, I think they can beat everything. I think that they, they would be favorites against North Johnston and Spring Creek and certainly Goldsboro, which I don't think has won a game or even come close. I think they could compete with Eastern Wayne, and I'd love to see how they do with Princeton. I think Princeton's pretty good still. But the point is, is that Bainfield went from, like, complete, utter, almost devastation last year to now all of a sudden being a contender in a conference that might not be as strong as other conferences, but whatever, it's still they're still a contender. There's some excitement going on at Bettingfield on the football field again, and that's awesome to see because last year was not very exciting for us. Yeah, and I think, you know, Ben Ellis in his second year has kind of got gotten the program and the culture really where he wants it to be, has kind of got, you know, quote-unquote his guys, which is really important if you're a coach to have – your guys that you trust, especially from a leadership standpoint. And really, I think, you know, has everybody kind of bought in and doing the things that they want to do over there. So now it's just a matter of if they can go out on the field in these conference games and execute what they want to do. Looking, um, you know, last kind of game from the high school scene last week, Southern Nash gets back on track after that upset loss to Nash Central. I think it was probably, it was important for the Firebirds to not let a tough loss snowball on them. Well, I mean, truth be told, there's, that was a tough loss because, you know, truthfully, I think the expectation was that Northern Nash was the team that they were, you know, were going to have to battle with. Um, again, no excuses for them. They didn't see it coming. Nash Central's obviously pretty good. But as we said last week, that game's not going to really affect them. If they still win the rest of their games, they'll win the conference. And so that's the bottom line with that, um, assuming Nash Central doesn't win all of their games. Um but, yeah, I think, you know, they just needed to get to a point where they're not so hit with injuries because they're really t- having a tough time. But, hey, Tyleek Mitchell, younger brother of Traylon Mitchell, the Firebird senior who's already committed to Virginia Tech. Last spring at the Scott Jones Memorial Track Classic, Traylon came in as one of the favorites to win the most outstanding performer. And guess who won it? His little brother who was a freshman. Tyleek comes up to the varsity Friday night, scores two rushing touchdowns, returns a kickoff 95 yards. I mean, the Mitchell family is something else. So glad to see uh, that the little brother is still keeping pressure on the big brother. Well, you know, uh, like you said, seeing him at the track classic, you knew he had some speed to him. So I guess he put that to good use on the football field. Yeah, he was the triple jumper. That was, I mean, I guess he was running, but I remember he won the triple jump. So he just, you know, super athletic kid and uh, very humble too. And that was kind of neat because he wasn't expecting to win that most outstanding performer. So, yeah, um, they're going to probably need him, I think, because they they lost two more players Friday night. Thomas Copeland is a senior two-way player and really had a great game running the ball two weeks ago. 
Um, I, he got hurt. I don't know when he's coming back. But they're off this week, so they don't have to worry about it. They can sit out the hurricane. Yeah, and uh, well, it's kind of kind of funny because Southern Nash, we see them play. We know how much they run the ball. They're probably as well suited as any team in this area to play in adverse weather. Not the way they've been fumbling lately. That's, that's true. Weather, yeah, yeah, that's uh. Everybody's going to have to be doing those wet ball drills and practice this week, I think, just in case. But looking to, uh, you know, the local football scene last Saturday, Barton home opener, you know, I think there was a lot of high hopes, a lot of anticipation, kind of a stumble for Barton and that against Mars Hill. You were watching the game. What what did you see from Barton on Saturday? Uh, I don't think they played their best game, and they were playing a team that matches up pretty well in Mars Hill beat them last year, and the same thing happened. They just made some mistakes that they couldn't afford to make. And um, the biggest one, I think, they, they were hit with 11 penalties for over 100 yards, which was more yards than they had accrued in the three previous games combined in penalties. Um, that was a problem. The one turnover that they did have came at the 21, you know, potential points taken away. It just was a lot of little things that added up for Barton not being able to get away with against a pretty good Morris Hill team that having been said, they only lost by six points. So I think mean, a little bit discouraged, but, you know, ready to go back at it. Got Tusculum, another team that beat them last year. Um, because of a bad punt, it was on the road. Now Tusculum's coming here, but it's going to be fun because we'll see what it's like. Kind of looking back at that State Notre Dame game in the Hurricane several years ago, I keep envisioning that on Saturday because I don't know how bad the wind and the rain is going to be. Hopefully, it's not going to be terrible, but it's going to be bad weather for sure. So, and right now Barton's supposed to kick off at 2 p.m. at Truist Stadium. Could be pretty wet. Yeah, hopefully Chip Hester won't follow in the footsteps of Brian Kelly deciding to make Deshaun Kaiser attempt 35 passes in a hurricane that day. But I, I, I think he's probably got some guys, you know, when you look at Jordan Terrell and you look at Jaquan Lynch's running ability, that he can probably make a little bit better game plan than that to go with the weather. Yeah, I would think so. They love to run the ball, and so, uh, you know, they're nice helps. But they're playing on turf as well, so, you know, hopefully it won't be terrible, uh, too, too bad. Uh, the real gully washer kind of thing, so to speak. So, But uh, Barton is uh, is playing just two games at home in a row, and then they go back out on the road. So they've played three in a row on the road to start the season, and two at home, and then they go back out on the road. So if you want to see them, you might want to brave – the elements, because it's probably going to be a couple more weeks before you get that chance again. And we don't know at this point. I mean, we, we could end up not getting the, – these things can shift so much. We don't know what the elements are going to look like. It could be fine on Saturday. Oh, I don't think it's going to be fine. It's going to be wet somewhere. But, yeah, yeah we, you're right. You don't know because right now it's more of a western westward track of probably affecting the mountains of North Carolina more than the east coast. Yeah, which yeah, – we'll Thoughts go out to our friends in the West because we were discussing this yesterday. I mean, they're they're not as you know equipped to handle hurricanes out there. So hopefully, everybody stays safe. Looking around at the local sports scene, wanted to highlight some more local teams and some other sports this week that have done very well. I got a chance on Monday night to go out to Rocky Mountain cover the Southern Nash boys soccer team, which has been playing really well since it started off in Big East conference play. He's won six in a row after a couple close losses to some tough teams in Green Central and Clayton. Beat Rocky Mount one nothing on Monday and I think showed what has to be the hallmark of a great team and being able to kind of win an ugly game sometimes. They won one nothing 
on a late goal from Johnny Diaz, kind of an ugly deflection goal, had some other chances they couldn't capitalize on. But in looking at their performance, the way they've played lately, and talking to their coach, Carlos Barron, on Monday, this is a Southern Nash team that's got some really good senior leadership, again, playing some really good soccer, and I think has some really high hopes and expectations for what they can do the rest of this season and even into the playoffs. I mean, Carlos was talking about possibly trying to fight for a state championship on Monday. So high hopes for that Southern Nash soccer program. Yeah, and the Fibers have had pretty good taste for a while. Carlos has done a great job, former home football player. Uh, really found his niche over there. Um, they've been playing well, and they they really dominated in that 2A, 3A Big East Conference. Um, you know, it's interesting because they, they played um, they played Fike early in the year, but they haven't um, – you know, have been in the conference with Fike for a couple of years, so it'd be interesting to see how they would stack up against Fike, which won their conference last year. The Demons going to have a hard time. They're not going to replicate their success because they've already lost more conference games, but it's going to be a dogfight in the quad camp. Southern Nash is definitely probably, I would say definitely probably the best team in their conference unless something changes. I mean, they've, they've almost gone through the first half of that big East, so I think they've beaten everybody. So, um I don't know who's left for him to play. Probably Northern Nash. Yeah, but, yeah, a, a good thing. And and you know another team and you want to talk about Greenfield is you know they're they're back on track and looking like yet another state championship type season for the Knights. Um, you had a chance to talk to Coach Wilkinson, Justin Wilkinson, the other day about his team. What do you think about their chances to get back and do that? Yeah, I think Greenfield. You know, I've seen a few games this year. I saw an early 4 nothing loss in August. They were kind of in a little bit of a slump. And in talking with Justin Wilkinson after that game, you know, he was just talk, kind of talking about, you know, our effort and our energy level isn't where it needed to be. And I think credit to Greenfield, that, that that's a pretty experienced team with a lot of upperclassmen leaders that kind of took it upon themselves to really get to where this team, to where it was always capable of playing. They've won 10 of their last 11. They're 5-1. and one in the conference play with that NCISAA Coastal Plain Independence Conference. Kind of a, a big year across the board for Greenfield Athletics because they've made they've made the jump up to 2A. They were 1A before. But, yeah, no, I definitely think that this Greenfield soccer team, based on what I've seen in the last couple of games that I've seen, based on, you know, just the overall body of work and the way they've been playing for over a month now, has a chance to do something special this year. Yeah, I think I think so with Greenfield. They they play a really tough schedule traditionally early on and you know, they'll take some lumps. But when the kids start playing together and they get a lot of games in, by the time you get to what, third or fourth week in October, nobody wants to be playing Greenfield. I, I mean they do because it means they're playing for a state championship, but Greenfield's always gonna be in that last final four, it seems like. So and yet another team this year looks like, hey, team to beat in the uh Two A N C I S A A. Yeah. Well, and speaking of you know teams that look like they might be teams to beat and have played some tough competition early on, the Hunt volleyball team played a couple four A schools early, lost the, those matches, but I think those are you know matches that head coach Tiffany Rowe wanted to get them ready for the playoffs because they've so far in the Quad County Conference they've done what they were doing they did last year, which is dominate. They're eight zero. At the time of this recording in conference play this year, I believe they did not lose a conference match last year. They've handled everybody in that conference pretty well. This is a deep hunt team. It's an experienced hunt team. 
Senior Alex Williams, who was an All-State performer for Hunt last year, has had a really good year again. But again, a lot more than just her. Very deep, very experienced team. Hunt lost in the third round of the playoffs last year, but I think this is a Hunt team that has expectations of being able to do more this year. And I think based on what we've seen from them so far, I think they can do it. Well, it really depends on who they play and where they, you know, the, the Hunt's been a pretty strong program for years. And I think that um, conference play, they're always, they've been in it since the Big East, three a Big East days. They've really been the team to beat almost every year. But when you get in the postseason, it usually runs out of juice around the third round. Now, last year was a really good team. Um, and then I think two years ago in the COVID, the shortened COVID year, and they, you know, won and got in and won a first-round game. And that year was like when you get to the third round almost because there were fewer teams. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's been a ceiling for them for a while. And it really is going to come down to what kind of draw they get um, overall and who they have to play and, and, you know, what the weather's like that day. Who knows? I mean – Lots of things go into it, but um, Hunt's at that point where they can kind of break through and maybe, you know, move up into sort of not being just a big big fish in a smaller pond, so to speak, but actually make some. And I think they've done that in the last couple of years. Let's see if they can take a step further this year because, like you said, this is Alexandra's senior year. She's got a lot of people around her. Uh, she's an exceptional talent. And so, you know, th this is the year to do it for Hunt if they're going to have that breakthrough year in volleyball. Yeah, you, you know, you look at this across really high school sports and college sports when you kind of have that really special talent that's kind of in there last year. You really want to try to capitalize and take advantage of that and have that special breakthrough year. Right. Another another of the local volleyball teams that I think has some high expectations and has also played some really tough competition is Wilson Christian. They're six and four overall, but they're four and oh in their conference play. Coming off a state championship last year, they've been on break for this last little bit with their senior trip. Now heading into the second half of their schedule, though, and I think Ryan Vanderbilt and his group again are looking to, you know, break through and have that championship run again. Well, I would I would say that state championship expectations are part of Wilson Christian volleyball every year because when Malcolm Deans was the head coach, they won like every year from the first year I started working here up until just a few years ago. And then they won it again last year. Scratch Vanderbilt's first one. But, man, what a talented group he's got. I, I mean, to be honest with you, and having not seen, and I don't even know what the West is like in the NC Christian School Association 2A, but I would have a hard time believing there's any team that's going to match up with Wilson Christian once they get in the playoffs. They have played an extremely tough schedule. He scared, Coach Vanderbilt schedules whoever he thinks is good and can get on the schedule. Doesn't care if they lose. Just wants them to get better. And that's the way you got to do it because when you're playing in a smaller association like that, you know, at the end of the line, you're probably, when you're as good as that Wilson Christian has been in the last few years, you can't be contained by just your association. So um, it's a good thing for him to go out and play Rocky Mountain Academy and try to play whatever public schools he can play. That's just only going to make them better. But those girls are, they really take volleyball to an art form at Wilson Christian. They might not be the biggest, although they've got a few girls that are pretty tall or, you know, the most athletic all the time. But, man, they play together as a team better than just about any program you'll see. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, they want to be, you, when you're a team that has that kind of expectations, you want to be battle-tested by the time the playoffs come around. And I think that's what Ryan Vanderbilt is making sure that they are by scheduling these tough teams. Looking over to the tennis side of things, 
a, a team that's had a lot of success in recent years, had a lot of success last year, and is pretty much off, you know, to the, the usual this year is that Fight Girls tennis program. I think Lee Matthews has got, you know, really built a strong program over there. You look at what they've done this year, led again by that top duo of Caroline and Catherine Atkins. You've, you got a chance to see Fike against Hunt last week. I think you had a chance to talk with them yesterday. I think this is, again, a Fike team that has a chance to do a lot. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's interesting because they played ACOT, they beat ACOT, but um, it came down to really the two singles matches at the top. Caroline Atkins um, lost to Mackenzie Millard, ACOT senior at Barton College back in, I think, August 31st, and, um, and that was like her first conference loss. But then yesterday she beat Mackenzie down at uh, ACOT. And so those two are tied, top top two players in the conference. But then number two is Caroline's twin sister, Catherine, who beat ACOC senior Courtney Howe at Barton a few weeks ago, but then lost yesterday. So and both of the Atkins uh, sisters are 12 and 2 um, in singles. And um, I think Court, I mean, Kenzie Millard's up there too. So the whole, you know, the conference, the way the points go in the conference for player of the year is going to be kind of interesting between Caroline and McKenzie. But I'm guessing that when they go to the uh, conference tournament, I'm pretty sure that the Atkins sisters are going to play as doubles, and so they can play as doubles in the state tournament because they've gone deep in the uh, state, you know, semifinals the last two seasons. And so I would expect them to go back. Not sure what McKenzie and Caroline from ACOC are going to be playing. They could play doubles too, and that would be quite a, a match. Or they might go with singles. So, yeah, I think right now what we're looking for, at, at, you know, Pike's already – all but clinch that Clyde County Conference Championship. They should go unbeaten the rest of the way. But then it's how far, you know, they're going to go in the dual team. And then and ACOC looks like they're going to get in this dual team number two. And then the state tournament. What what can those twins do? they got two years left. Um, they're no longer little freshmen or, you know, growing sophomores. They're, they're, they've matured. They're bigger than most of the, you know, as, as big as their opponents, not smaller as they used to be. Can they break through and become Fike's first state tennis champion in what, over 20 years? I'm sure Lee Matthews could tell me exactly how many years people are here <laughs> right now. Yeah, I think that's a, a safe bet. And what's cool, too, you know, you mentioned them not being underclassmen anymore. When I was talking with Lee in a match I was at recently, he's talked about them taking on more of a leadership role for the team. He said he actually has told Catherine that she'd make a great coach one day if she wanted to because she's really good at, you know, kind of getting – the team together and organized and making sure the communication with everything that's going on is really good. So I think that's been something that's been cool to see for that fight group as well. Yeah, for sure. They've got a, um, they got a tight knit group and, and, you know, those girls are driven. They, they, you know, they play a lot, but they're also very calm. It seems when they're, uh, when they're playing, they, they don't let their emotions get the best of them. Um, at least not hourly from my observation. So that's always helpful in tennis. Well, I never played. I'm, I would throw my racket into the fence. Uh, <laughs> played horribly, but you know, I never played real tennis. So. I, think I've, I think I've legitimately hit tennis balls on a tennis court like one time in my life. So yeah, I can't really. Uh, it didn't go very well, so I yeah. can't really speak to that either. But There's a lot of going outside the court, running across, and picking up balls. Yeah, you gotta. You, if if you're not of the uh, if you're more of the level of us, you gotta make sure you have a lot of balls with you, or yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lose some. But the other interesting thing, you know, looking a little bit outside of our local sports scene, 
We, there was a huge game in the college ranks this, this week. NC State moved into the top 10 this week for the first time since, I believe, 2002, going down to Death Valley to take on number five, Clemson. The Wolfpack beat Clemson at home last year. I think Clemson has improved from what they were last year, though, and winning in Death Valley is just a whole different animal. I think Clemson might have the longest winning streak in the country at home still right now. I don't think they've lost the game there since might have been 2016. And the other thing about this game is it's going to be impacted by the hurricane. I mean, there's a very good chance they're going to be playing there in some heavy rain on Saturday. But I mean, for me, you know, I went to NC State. I grew up following the Wolfpack. There's an argument to be made, especially, you know, look, you look at the stage with college game day there with the game being at 7.30 on ABC, with the stakes, first first top 10 game in program history, for this being the biggest NC State football game in my lifetime. And that means nothing to the NC State player. That's right. This is this is their – but but there's a lot that means a lot to them. I mean, this is their moment to go win at Clemson. And the ultimate goal, really, for this team is to have a chance to win the ACC for the first time since the late 70s. And you're probably not going to win the Atlantic Division if you go if you don't go beat Clemson this this weekend. No, I mean you know again this is it's like you said it's the biggest game. If they win this game, there'll be much bigger games to play down the road right here in the season. If they don't, then this season will probably go by like a lot of others and pretty good. Yeah, you know a, a pretty high bowl selection and all that, but it's not going to get them where they really want to be, which is in the college football playoff. So this is the game they got to win. They can't lose this game. And so it's going to be huge, and I think that weather is going to play a major role in it. And it just might be work to state's advantage that that's the case. I mean, I, I don't know much about what Clemson, you know, likes to do post-Trevor uh, Lawrence, but I'm assuming they like to throw the ball a lot. Um, state does too, but it's really going to be the team that can adjust and play better defense in the, in the conditions. Yeah, and these are both – these are already both really good defenses, so I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But in terms of the Nash and Pine sports chat, I think that's going to do it for the, us this week. What do I announce? I told you guys this last week. I have gotten it. I'm pretty sure so that this can be listened to on just about any podcast streaming service that you use. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on a whole bunch of other stuff. If you do, If we are not on the podcast streaming service that you listen to, let us know and I will do my best to rectify that. But again, if you guys ever have, you know, suggestions, questions, things you want us to discuss, you are more than welcome to reach out to us at sports at wilsontimes.com. And we encourage you guys, as always, to subscribe to the Wilson Times, read all of our content and our local sports coverage there. But until next week, we're done. Thank you guys again so much for listening this week. Bye-bye.